You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. Hey, we are the Fantasy Joes. I am at Roto Librarian, Ryan Livergood. Joining me this evening from the one and only Pillow Palace in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it is Will the Thrill Greenwood! Oh, 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 yeah. Ross Tucker. Now, if you guys have never listened to Ross Tucker, uh, he sounds like he's talking in all caps all the time. And I want to mimic his enthusiasm all the time. All right. That, that's, that's a tall order. We'll, we'll see if you can, you can pull it off, Will. But, but I, th- I, I have faith in you. I have a lot of faith in you tonight to, to pull it off. And we, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to be enthusiastic about because we are – in mid-July, there's so much news in the NFL, so much going on. Well, okay, maybe there's not so much going on, but there are a couple <laughs> of nuggets we can talk about. You know, we're recording this on, on Wednesday, and, you know, this was the deadline to get some of these signings done, these, these uh, contract extensions done before we get into the 2020 season. And th- there was some notable news. Um, on the plus side, you had Derrick Henry signing a new deal with the Tennessee Titans, which we'll talk about. And maybe on the negative side of things, at least for Dak Prescott, maybe, maybe it's not negative for Dak Prescott, um, but, but he did not uh, come to terms with the Cowboys. So he'll be playing under the franchise tag. Don't feel too sorry for Dak. I think it's what, like $31.7 million he'll be making in 2020, something like that. Um, and maybe a good play for Dak Prescott, Will Greenwood, because, you know, the way I look at it, even if Dak has a, 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 a mediocre year, which I just don't see in that offense, but let's just say he, he has a, um, Trubisky-esque year, right? It's awful. Um, and we're not talking the, where Trubisky showed some things in, in 2018. We're talking like 2019 Mitchell Trubisky. Um, still, I think he could come out of 2020 uh, getting a big deal with the team because there are a number of teams that would just salivate to sign Dak Prescott, I think. Or, or the Cowboys would all of a sudden be – really their hand would be forced if Dak blows up in 2020. So – I mean, I think it's probably a smart move for Dak Prescott. But here's my question to you. Does this say to you that the Cowboys don't believe Dak Prescott is, is a franchise quarterback? And does that give you pause on his dynasty value, particularly in a super flex league? Wow. All right. A lot to, a lot to take in here, Ryan. Uh, I do think Des, Dak Prescott could be in line for a big season if Mike McCarthy doesn't fiddle with the offense, uh, with Kellen Moore's offensive coordinator. If he tries to fiddle with it, because we all know uh, – McCarthy, in his year off, uh, studied analytics vigorously and now is an analytical genius. Oh, yeah. And, and so if he starts to get more involved and, and wants to be, uh, that offense not, might not run as much of a, you know, a, a machine as it did last year. And, and Dak's QBR and, like, his rating in his games were very different between wins and losses. I mean, he jumped over 1,000 yards in passing from 2018 to 2019. That's a – you know, I, I know they added C.D. Lamb, and in theory – this should easily be an up season for him. And I think gambling on yourself is the right thing to do in a situation uh, based on this. But I, I do think it's a little, a little scary. They're not, the Cowboys aren't in the best cap situation in the world. Uh, they probably offered him, you know, max of what they could. Uh, I don't, I just, you know, maybe he signs a longer term uh, deal next year, or if, you know, maybe they refranchise him. I mean, it worked out really well for Kirk Cousins and his dynasty value. If you look at another, kind of example of a later round drafted QB who then had, you know, his franchise tag. So I, I don't think I'm devaluing Dak, but I'm also Ryan, just not in general willing to pay 
I'm, I'm not I'm not getting Dak anywhere. He's he's far too expensive for for my taste uh, at this moment. It'll be interesting to see. I I don't think it's gonna uh, at least short term like make him like this huge value. Like all of a sudden the Dak owner is like, oh, I want out. I got I got to get rid of Dak Prescott. I mean, I'm not saying that's gonna happen. But if you're in a startup or an auction, and if you look at where I'm looking at June ADP um, from from um, uh, DLF. So, so Dak is the fifth quarterback off the board. He, his ADP in a Superflex league, this is four mocks in June, uh, ADP of 13 overall. So, you know, you got, um, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, kind of no-brainers that, that go ahead of him. And, you know, and then, and then I think there's kind of the second tier, which might consist of like four or five guys, in my opinion. You got Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Dak, and then Russell Wilson. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean – it, it does say something that the Cowboys, you know, if, if they thought he was this, um, this, you know, franchise, like elite quarterback, like in the Holmes and Lord Jackson's um, tier, I think they would have got a deal done. There's this interesting article in the athletic. Will Mike Sando uh, put it out today. And, and he talked about how coaches and evaluators that he's talked to in the league. He does this annual quarterback tiers survey. They ranked Dak between 14th and 17th. So we're not talking dynasty. Uh, we're talking, you know, how, how these coaches and evaluators w- would put him. So that's like right in the middle of the league, right? So, you know, you've got guys like Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson in tier one, uh, you know, tier two, you think guys like Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, and, th- and then maybe a guy like, like Dak fits into tier three. They're legitimate starters, he's saying, but they need support from their teams. Um, you know, good offensive lines, good offensive uh, skill position players around him. And Dak has had that. This is what's interesting about the article, Will, that I wanted to point out. So it, the, the, the Cowboys, since 2016, Will, trail only the Pittsburgh Steelers in starts made by Pro Bowl players on offense at positions other than quarterback. So Dak Prescott has had that luxury of just having a great sporting cast around him, a great offensive line, and – you know, good wide receivers, obviously Zeke, um, uh, you, you know, with, with Jason Witten kind of coming and going, he's had, had a good tight end to, to, to be kind of a, a, a safety um, target for him. Um, so is Dak a, kind of a, a, you know, is he just a good quarterback that's in a great situation and, and he's maybe not that, that elite level it, it, and it doesn't matter for dynasty. Do, do we care? I mean, if he eventually stays with, with the Cowboys, I mean, what do you think? I mean, are you concerned about him being the number five uh, quarterback in uh, Superflex leagues? I, I don't think I'm overly concerned. I'm just not excited about it. Uh, I, last year, that, that bump in production uh, with an increase in interceptions and three of his rushing touchdowns went away, uh, I feel like we're still kind of feeling out who Dak Prescott is. Uh, and who and who that like that Cowboys team is going to be? Uh, their their defense did get a little worse because uh, it was it Byron Jones the corner, but like the, the really great cornerback they lost. Uh, I think that it could be a little bit worse than it was last year potentially, and so that that's maybe yeah. some more opportunity or at least the need to put up more points. They do have some consistency now at the offensive coordinator position. Uh, the head coach change if that ruffles everything up. Was it Mike McCarthy in there with his analytical uh, genius? Uh, behind there saying we, we shouldn't sign him long-term yet. Uh, the the issue, though, I guess, in the contract breakdown was just the amount of years because Dak wants shorter. 
then he wants to resign because this, with, with salary caps going going up, of course you want to be able to resign. So, Ryan, I guess it doesn't it doesn't really bother me overall. I just I I, I just I'm just not excited. I don't know. I, I'm so blasé about it. I don't have like a hard stance. Like, yes, I want Dak. No, I don't want Dak. But I guess if I had to choose one side or the other, it's uh, I, I'm passing on him and grabbing a, a different player at that point, or if he's on my team and I can move him, let's say for uh, that, you know, that, that kind of like Baker Mayfield plus, plus another really good piece or not, not Daniel Jones, but like Aaron Rodgers and another really good piece, something like that, where I feel like my immediate, like two year next window can be benefited by adding the other skill position player. Those are the kind of moves I'd be looking for, for sure. Yeah. I, I see for me, I, I think that, you could have made an argument for Dak as maybe your number three quarterback be, before this whole, and maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into this, but I think that says something that they couldn't get a deal done with Dak. I, I think that's telling. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, 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 so I, I do think that I, I, I would take Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray ahead of Dak. And then when you, you get to guys that are going behind him, I, I definitely take Russell Wilson over Dak Prescott for sure. Um, I know Russell's a little bit older, but he's only 31, and, and we, we know what Russell Wilson can do. We know he elevates the the, the players around him. Um, and then I think it gets interesting. You know, Dak Prescott versus Carson Wentz, Dak versus Josh Allen, Dak versus Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, the number nine quarterback in Dynasty. That that, that blows my mind a little bit. Um, I'm optimistic, but I, I do think that's pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it, I, the rankings are so interesting because when you get into – um, you know, quarterbacks eight through 12, essentially, you've got a bunch of younger guys. You've got Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones, and Tua, you know, two guys that are rookies. So I don't know. I, I just, I think it's an interesting conversation, something to, to pay attention to. Um, but, I, but I do think Dak will have a great 2020, assuming we, we have a season. So um, what about Derrick Henry? Let's talk about Derrick Henry for a second. And, and then we'll talk about some, uh, some other kind of more interesting, uh, not, not as high profile guys will. So Derrick Henry, he signed. He <laughs> very, signed very a, low, low profile uh, yeah, yeah, players. Maybe. So Derrick Henry signed a four-year deal, fifty million, twenty-five point five million guaranteed. So, you know, it looks like he is locked in based on this contract. What what Adam Schefter is saying for for at least two years. The Titans have team options in twenty twenty-two and twenty twenty-three. So. Is this a boost for you, for Derrick Henry, the way you look at him? Because I, I, I think the narrative coming into the offseason was that there's no way the Titans are going to extend Derrick Henry. He, he's he's going to be have a, have a good year in 2020. Then it's a big question mark. And if he go, tr- moves to another team, he may, he may not be as effective. But now he's in Tennessee for at least two more years. So does that get you excited about Derrick Henry? Uh, Ryan, I feel, I feel like I'm like a snooze fest over here. <laughs> What were you looking for from Derrick Henry anyway? You want to, if he doesn't, like this season is going to hinge on his value. I mean, his, the way he started off last year compared to the way he finished, it was like a classic Derrick Henry move. And again, we're riding that, that kind of hype train uh, into the next season. And when he start when he starts slow again, or if he starts slow again, where are we going to be? Because uh, he's been a very disappointing player to have on your team year over year, unless you had him later in the season or you moved for him. And then he was your playoff, you know, like late, late season hero. Uh, so, you know, Derrick Henry is, he's getting older. Uh, you know, he's going to be 27 at the end of 2021. They've signed him through his 29 uh, year old season. Technically it's 6 million. I looked at Spotrack. It's 6 million dead cap after that, that 21 season. And so the, the Titans would save, I think uh, 
like, I think it was not like $9 million. Uh, yeah, saving nine mil. And then if they cut him in the 2022 season when he'll turn 28, uh, it's a three mil dead cap and a savings of 12 and a half. So it's basically a two-year locked-in deal. It's not like that Todd Gurley level where they, they cut him way early and, and lost a bunch of money. Uh, I just don't – like, Ryan, I, I, were, were you moving for Derrick Henry before this? Or is anybody – trade like, if, if I had Derrick Henry, I think I was holding him unless I could find a buyer that is willing to pay up for this because he's going to have production – it just might not be that early season production. And they lost Jack Conklin uh, to the Browns. Yeah. And so at least they have some continuity there. Uh, and I do think that's a safe play. I think Derrick Henry being at, at RB12 uh, is, is totally fine. And I think he, he, you know, he might finish a little bit above that. But when we look at like long-term value, I don't know. He, he, he's such a hard player to start week over week until the end of the season. And then we live off the end of that uh, moving into the next season, but six weeks into this year, uh, it, it could be a mess. Yeah. I, I think what it's done for, for me, what was it with Derek Henry? Well, I was attempting to, to sell him. Um, and, and I, I only had him in, in two of my leagues and, and I, I was successful with selling um, one of my shares of Derek Henry. And I still have one, which, which I'm happy with because it's very much a win now team in that window for the next couple of years. So um, I, I think what it does for me, so if we're looking at, um, this is super flex ADP for just the running backs. He, as you mentioned, he's running back 12. I, I think it kind of puts him right where, where he should be. Honestly, I, I think before, I think that was a little bit lofty based on the uncertainty of his contract situation. And now I feel like that's kind of where he belongs. I mean, if, if you look at three guys going before him, three guys going behind him. So right, right before him, you've got Miles Sanders, uh, Clyde edwards Hilaire, and Josh Jacobs. Um, and I, I think I won all three of those guys before over Derrick Henry for sure, uh, you know, based on their ages and situation, that type of thing. And then after him, you know, you get into Austin Eckler, J.K. Dobbins, Kenyon Drake. I, I like. I would rather have Dobbins and Henry long term. However, I think value wise, I, I think he's right where he belongs. Well, I, I think that's the perfect spot for him. You know, running back twelve, not a guy I want to run out and acquire necessarily, unless I'm, uh, I'm missing a running back that I and I, I'm, I'm a contender. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think he's probably a hold. And I also read, I kind of took it back from the last, last year fantasy season playoff run. And, and my apologies for looking at this. So in 2019, uh, Derrick Henry put up uh, 10.7, uh, you know, like half or yeah, you f- half or full PPR doesn't matter because he didn't have any catches uh, points in week 15 and week 16, he didn't play. Uh, but then in week 17, That's right. he, he had a monster game with 211 yards and three touchdowns, but that, that game's irrelevant. Uh in 2018, he had 33.1 points in you know in weeks in week 15, and then in 17.6 in week 16. Long story short, uh, he just is a I don't know like these carry totals and his his yards per carry during these games, the amount of touchdowns he's putting up. It's it's hard to see that that run blocking efficiency is going to stay the exact same. Uh, that that team is built around him and Tannehill now, and having AJ Brown really emerge. I just uh I don't I. I think 12 is 12 is fine. Uh, I, I definitely want him in front of Austin Eckler. So I think there's far too much variance in Austin like Eckler compared to, to Derrick Henry. I do want him in front of Kenyon Drake. Uh, I think I would depends where your team is at the moment. You know, do you want to like a John Swift can makers style of move? If you really don't believe in Derrick Henry and his, his pass catching upside at all uh, or his, that his rushing, you know, dominance won't continue. I, I, I wouldn't blame somebody for moving him for a player like that. 
Oh, I, I, me neither. Me neither. I, I mean, I, I feel good about Derrick Henry for the next two years. Then after that, I, I, I don't feel as good. Um, so I, think, I yeah. think losing Conklin matters though quite a bit. No, oh, I do too. I, yeah, no, I, I do too. And um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to, 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 to see what, what he can do this year. And, and if um, you know, Tennessee just kind of, maybe this is, this is totally lazy analysis or narrative analysis, but I, I kind of feel like they're, uh, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this. I won't be the last. I kind of feel like they're the Jacksonville Jaguars of a couple of years ago where, um, or it was even last year. Was it, was it two years ago where Jacksonville was in the AFC championship it's, it's game? Two years ago. Just, just two years ago. Wow. feels like longer than that because it just what the, the drop off. It feels like, it feels like it was yeah. Oh, just the descent into madness. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I don't know. I do just get that impression with the Titans, but, but that's probably just me being, you know, lazy. And um, I, I do think that their, their, their defense will, will not completely collapse like the Jaguars defense did. And so, I, I mean, I think they'll probably be competitive in that, that AFC South, but I, I just don't know they're going to have a, another run like they did. I just, I just don't feel like they're a, a top tier AFC team. Um, maybe they sneak into the playoffs, but I don't know. Um, I, I do think that South would be really interesting that AFC South. There are a lot of interesting divisions this year. Um, and, and that's, that's one of them. Especially the Colts. I can't wait to see what the Colts can do. With, with um, stabilizing the quarterback position and with that, you know, what they've added on defense, um, they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Sneaky upside in that defense. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, en- enough talk about Dak Prescott, Derek Henry. Let's, let's kind of, let's kind of go deep here. Will. let's, let's, let's do some deep diving and talk about some players. You, you, you did some research on a couple of, a uh, couple of guys that, um, you know, one of them will pro- probably, if he hasn't already, will start to get some buzz. And another guy is just really off the radar that, you know, well, let's talk about these guys. So who do you want to go with? Who do you want to start with first? All right. Well, uh, you know, bu- buckle your seatbelts because uh, this is going to go into uh, a diatribe, Ryan. This, this might take a little bit to get through. Uh, <laughs> let's pace ourselves. Let's, 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 take it, let's take it point by point, Will. Oh, there's, there's too many points. I won't be ready for all your rebuttals, <laughs> but, uh, so one, uh, so Steven Sims jr. Is one of the players I was looking at and there, there isn't a lot of, uh, like I really want on, on fantasypoints.com. Uh, I, maybe, maybe I can go double check. I want to see if like Greg sell. I want to see some film analysis on Steven Sims jr. In, in his plays. Uh, cause I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of that, but so I'm going to go just by how the season went last year. So, he is a UDFA, right? Uh, he came from Kansas. His collegiate production profile I'll dive into. But uh, he, he kind of boomed at, at the end of last year when Dwayne Haskins was a starting quarterback. Uh, he started to flash. You know, he was playing just above two-thirds of the snaps in the last four games. And this is including week 17, which is one of my pet peeves. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about snap shares for UDFA, it, it's nice for them to get that. Uh, in three of those games that Dwayne Haskins started, he averaged just over nine targets a game and had three, like three touchdowns. So he had three, a, touch, a, a touchdown a game with, with Haskins starting. Uh, I like that. that. That sounds good. Yeah. I mean, why, why wouldn't it be, you know, showing some little bit of rapport with the quarterback. Uh, he, he never had over a hundred yards receiving. His highest was in week 17 with 81, but that was when uh, Dwayne Haskins was not starting. <laughs> uh, and the next highest was 64. And then it's a steep drop off, drop off because he just didn't play a lot of games last year overall. Ryan, very important that his sample size is very, very, very small. Uh, 
another another like quick note that I noticed on there is he did have nine rushing attempts last season, uh, and a lot of people are talking about how Scott Turner and the correlation with uh, oh sorry uh, with Curtis Samuel when when Scott Turner took over as the offensive coordinator for Carolina and Curtis Samuel I think had he had a bunch more rushes near the end of the season it wasn't like a ton you were talking you know mid mid double digits like fifteen. But that, that's been talked about quite a bit that maybe Curtis Samuel is going to get some more you know, end arounds, some things out of the backfield. And so I think the fact that he even had nine rushing attempts uh, is important to note that he is kind of a piece in the offense that can work well. He's athletic, he's explosive uh, when it comes to play on the football field. And so he's, he's another one of those pieces that, that kind of fits into this. You know, the, the other players we're talking about in this Washington offense, uh, we're talking about movable chess pieces. And I do think he fits into that based on just, just a little bit because he didn't play very many games again. So nine rushes to me does matter. Uh, move, you know, kind of moving on again, after the report with Haskins, the rushing, everything there. And then let, let's move on to, uh, I kind of want to move on to the cons first. Uh, so one, he had six drops on 56 targets, according to player profiler. Uh, that's a 10.7% drop rate. And that was fifth, fifth worst in the NFL. So that's going to have to change. Uh, <laughs> and his yeah. catch, his catchable targets, according to player profile, were 43. So that actually is a 14% drop rate. So that's really going to have to change. Oh. Uh, because if you're dropping a pass, it means it's catchable, right? Uh, he's not an electric player on paper. He's, you know, no metric above the seventh percentile. Uh, you know, Sorry. He's the 7th percentile in speed score, 6th in burst, 12th in agility, agility. Not a dominant college producer overall with a 50th percentile dominant rating. Coming from player profile, just a quick look up. Uh, he did have a really nice sophomore and junior season, and, a smatter- and it was just a, a, just a smattering of poor QB play at the horrible, horrible Kansas college football team. Jayhawks were just, were just terrible. His whole collegiate career, they had four wins. Or sorry, over his four years there in college, they won a total of six games. Can you imagine winning one and a half games a season? They're they're one of the worst Power Five football programs probably in the country. I mean, I mean, I'm trying to think of other ones that are. I mean, there there are some certainly some bad ones, but they're they're up there. Yeah, bring back, Char- bring back Charlie Weiss. Holy cow! Uh, <laughs> so and he has eight and eight and five inch five eighths inch hands. Those are tiny. Ooh. Stands at five nine and 184 pounds. So he's smaller. His testing is poor, uh, but. The fact that he had that the snap percentage, the report with Dwayne Haskins, and produced really well at the end of last season, and then had that little uh, that little hype train with Terry McLaurin talking about how he's improved his footwork and his route running over the offseason more than anybody's ever seen. Uh, and now that I completely believe that Terry McLaurin is a wide receiver savant, that 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 has kind of add, like added to him being added a bunch of leagues. So I do think uh, – I do think with with his like you know kick return and punt return skills, uh, he did he did house a kick return last year, which is, is more and more rare in the NFL these days with the way kicks are going out of bounds. Uh, I think his roster spot is pretty secure, but I, I you know his his upside might be capped. But I think he's totally totally worth an like an add on in a trade, maybe maybe a, maybe a third round a late later third round pick in a rookie draft. I think with McLaurin's ascendance, that actually helps him. And we, we can kind of see how this Washington offense works out. With, uh, with Kelvin Harmon going down, and they didn't invest at all in the wide receiver position in the offseason and in, in, in the tight end position, their, their pass catching core is very uh, 
it's very thin, right? And so I, 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 with this whole, you know, quick research and talking about him, uh, I, I, I like Steven Sims Jr. Yeah, he, he made, you know, some flash plays in 2019. He, he had a, a pretty big play, I remember, against, I think it was the Patriots. Uh, um, wh- what are the, like, I'm looking at hogsheaven.com. There was a kind of a hype article about him. And at his pro day, estimates on his pro day, 4.3540 time. I know player profiler has him quite a bit slower, but, um, and then, then 6.7 for a three cone. Cause I think he looked, he's one of those guys that. Okay. Uh, it like looks, looks more explosive. Cause he, he didn't go to the combine. So I don't know where player profiler got those, those analytics, um, honestly, but in, in, in any event, I, I do think for the, the, the thing that worries me about him, Will, is I think a week or two ago, he was a guy that you could have picked up for, I mean, he's probably was on waiver wires. He could, could have picked up for nothing, but I think that not that we were super excited about Kelvin Harmon, but the fact that he's gone down and he's out for the year um, that the wide receiver, wide receiver depth chart in Washington is pretty thin. So um, I, I think even before um, Harmon went down, I mean, you're, you're talking about out of the slot, he's competing with Trey Quinn, who I don't think any of us are super excited about or really, really believe in. So um so I don't know. I, I think maybe does, does maybe his his price doesn't probably get too high, but but there could be a little bit of hype surrounding him just because. Uh, okay, Harmon went down. People are going to look at the depth chart. They're going to see Steven Sims. They're going to see he had a couple of explosive plays. He he ended the year well, and I, I think people are going to start to start to target him. Um, but maybe if he acts fast, now now's the time to do it. Yeah, and I think it's just to say that I, I think he's going to have enough opportunity to either prove himself or. Uh, fall on his face with, with return being being a kick returner and being on special teams he might at least have a roster position locked up you know for the 2020 season uh, you know assuming it happens but you know these kind of guys their historical projection is is very 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 poor so don't don't you know overvalue them if you have them maybe maybe you if somebody else is uh you know wanting them is the throw and that that can be the over the top deal maker for you I'm I'm totally fine with doing that you can still maximize on that value but I think he does have some some upside. Yeah, I I do too. I, I do too. I, I think he he's a guy that, you know, you know, is is someone you could probably acquire cheap. And if you got some startups coming up, or, or you know, check check your waiver wires. Maybe he's out there. I think yeah. in some leagues he is. In but fact, if, I'm looking here, and I've got a couple leagues he's uh, out there on the waiver wire. So I mean, some of these are shallower leagues, but uh, but he might be. So check your check your waiver wire. Yeah, and in, and in the three games that Haskins was there, again, that, that wide receiver core is just decimated. But, you know, still getting that, that, that many targets per game and scoring touchdowns, right? That's what we really care about with yeah. wide receivers. Targets, uh, you know, catches and touchdowns, yard, yards are great. But if you put up, you know, a double-digit touchdown season, that's incredible. And so he, uh, he, he's, at least, he's at least had the experience that's worked out so far. And again – Nobody wants uh, Washington players because that offense isn't projecting to be great. And again, he's pro- you know he's probably owned, but either having him as the add-in if the other person doesn't care about him, or using him as an add-in, like like kind of leveraging that piece. And you can choose the you know pick and choose the points from these details uh, to to push it one way or the other. He did have a 19.4 breakout age, Ryan, which is 80th percentile, which is actually pretty key when looking at a. Uh, success rate in the nfl but then being a udfa kind of cancels everything out so anyway that's a 
he's, he's, he's an interesting prospect with a, who's going to have opportunity. So let, let's move on to your other guy. We're, we're going to go deeper because, because you're right. Cause, cause Steven Sims probably is rostered uh, and, and maybe he'll be a little bit harder to acquire now. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but this next guy will, I, I'm, I'm looking at my, my MFL leagues and I see he is only on a couple of rosters, including a couple of mine. <laughs> I have this guy. So uh, a guy I picked on up off waiver wires late last year. Uh, who, who is your, your deep, deep guy to, to, you know, we're, we're kind of our last topic of the show tonight. Well, first of all, I have my, my Debbie take Ryan. Oh, after, after this, oh, excuse you me, whole, you skipped a whole segment. Okay. Uh, but the, ne- the next player I wanted to talk about was uh, Greg Ward for the Philadelphia Eagles. Greg Ward. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk. I think it might be actually Greg Ward Jr. So a lot, a lot of juniors out here tonight in the, in the deep dive. So, but a fun stat. It, so in 2015, which was Greg Ward's junior season at Houston, which he was the quarterback. Uh, he passed for 2,827 yards, 17 touchdowns, but then added 1,114 rushing yards and 21 TDs. Holy cow. He also played some receiver as a freshman and sophomore in college, catching a, a touchdown each season. Uh, he was basically out of the NFL for two years. Uh, I believe he was like an eight, eight, like the, you know, the American Football League or the XFL player that then got signed. Uh, but anyway... He, he was coming back to the wide receiver position. He wasn't, he wasn't a super athlete by any means on his testing, but he's also, he was playing quarterback and he might not have prepared, you know, well for, the, for those tests specifically. The number one thing I want to look at, Ryan, is the depth charts in Philly to start. So again, Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, J.J. Ostega-Whiteside, John Hightower, Marquise Goodwin, Quez Watkins. So we have Deshaun Jackson, who, I mean – Good chance he's not on the team to start the season, honestly. Uh, or, or you know, he might pull up week one and then, and then get hurt. Alshon Jeffrey is a good candidate to start on the pup. Uh, JJ yeah. Arcega Whiteside had a supremely disappointing season, right? Uh, and then we have Marquise Goodwin, who, if 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 you look it up, Ryan, his concussion history is is terrifying. Uh, and I I just don't I, I I don't trust Marquise. I want to love Marquise Goodwin, but I can't. And I, I can't pick him up. And, and honestly, Marquise Goodwin, if anything, is – I mean, yeah, he'll have some, some, you know, some big plays and everything, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to get a ton of targets each week for the Eagles. It's just not going to happen. It's not yeah. Gonna... So, so this depth chart is, I, I guess, somewhat, somewhat deep, but, but it's, also, it's also just a mess. Uh, well, deep with a bunch of, like, you know, middling guys. You know, I mean, you've got uh, – you know, like, like you said, like some of these guys, we like, you know, John Hightower, Quez Watkins. I, I mean, um, Robert Davis, who was one of my old favorite, like deep, deep sleepers from a couple of years ago, was drafted by Washington. Um, but no, I think you're right because I'm looking at our lads and in terms of who they've projected to start in the slot, they've got Jalen Rager, who is a rookie and that, you know, we'll see what happens. And maybe he's more of a, a direct replacement for Alshon. So then you got Marquise Goodwin, and then Greg Ward is right there, the third player. Um, I, and I think he can uh, could ascend and, and improve. I, I think this is a good, good Greg Ward Jr. I, th- I think this is a good call, Will, because he's a guy. Like I'm looking at my MFL leagues, and there are a ton of leagues where I can just pick him up off waivers right now. Um, and and it, his so it was also at the end of last season. So he only ended. He didn't start. He didn't really play. He didn't play at all until week twelve, when he was forced into action by by injuries there. And we know they have the two tight ends. 
He ended up with 40 targets, but five of those targets were in the red zone during that time, which I think, think is a pretty big deal that he was being used in the red zone. Uh, it only accounted for, you know, 254 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, but man, they didn't have anybody, remember? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and he was really only playing starter snap shares weeks 14 through 17. But week 17 did actually matter a lot for the Eagles. So, but during that time, he was just a, you know, mid wide receiver three. I think he ended up being like 31st uh, in, in points during that time. So, so not like a, he didn't, he didn't really boom hard. But here is why I'm liking him as like a stasher. Uh, you know, he's that college QB convert. They used him in Houston in so many different ways. Uh, and clearly, I think he's good at football. That's what his college stats show is that <clears throat> he was an incredible athlete, at least. I mean, he rushed for 1,114 yards and 21 touchdowns as a quarterback, along with passing for just under 3,017. Like, that's, that's insane. So at least he gets the game for the most part. Uh, he has massive, Ryan, nine and seven eighth inch mitts. So we go. You're, you're already in love with him, and I know Absolutely. it. Uh, you know, he's five foot 11, 186 pounds, not really relevant, but figured out at it. Uh, he only had one drop on his, his 40 targets, uh, 29 were catchable according to player profiler. But, and I think I remember his one drop. It actually, it, it kind of sucked for fantasy, but, uh, with those big mitts, he was a reliable target. I mean, one drop when you're coming into the NFL, you've never played in the NFL before. You didn't start until week 12. That's fine. Uh, you know, during the, the games he played, he played a 47.4% slot share. So he, you know, he's already worked out of the slot in that offense moving to next season. So again, if everybody else doesn't come up to speed and they need to go to, to a, 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 at least a player that has showed some reliability out of there, I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles were the seventh highest passing team last year. I think their, I think their defense, uh, you know, might've gotten a little bit better with signing of Darius Slay, but I, I don't expect it to be outstanding. And I still kind of expect them to be a pass first team, you know, just based on, on who they are. They're analytically driven, which means you're going to be more of a pass first team. So I really like that. Uh, he, he returned punts last year as well after coming in, right? So again, that, that special team aspects for these UDFA guys or these like, you know, like long journeys into the NFL, at least might be able to re- secure a roster spot. I do think Rager returned punts in college. Uh, I didn't double check mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but, he did. Yeah, it's so, but, if, but if Rager's not ready to return punts in the NFL, it's at least a great path for this year but that does create a worry for next year so again we have djx always hurt and is a moron uh alshon is probably gonna start on the pub Rager's a rookie we're very excited jay jaws uh greg ward outplayed him uh in in any stat you want to use last year and even though uh jj or wise you know he played a lot more games a lot more snap percentage and then the mishmash of the rest of the core outside of the tight ends so opportunity will be a knockin yeah, and the other thing that I think can't be understated too is with this year and with COVID-19, you know, we're already seeing the players starting to push the owners even to, I mean, I mean, is, is there going to be, you know, what's training camp going to look like? It's certainly going to be abbreviated, two preseason games, best case scenario, and the players might win that battle. There'll be no preseason game. So I like Jalen Rager, you know, is this not going to have, I think rookie wide receivers this year will, they're, they're just – I mean, probably one or two of them will pop off, but they're not, they're not going to get the time to get acclimated to the NFL and these systems. It's going to be a, a, a big detriment. And a guy like Greg Ward, who is A, healthy, unlike half, most of these wide receivers we talked about, and B, knows the system and is only going to be better because you're right. He is learning this position, um, you know, being a quarterback in, in college. 
I think it's uh, it's definitely a guy that's that's worth watching because someone's going to need to step up, and and there there will be targets available. I, I mean, uh, uh, Carson Wentz can't exclusively throw to his great tight end options, and then um, yeah, you know, there's got to be someone else to throw to, and Miles Sanders of the backfield, you know. So it it could be Greg Ward Jr. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a good call. I think it's a good take, and um, I think I might be picking him up on some of my uh, some of my uh, waiver wires this week. Will because. Yeah. yeah, I only have them on two teams. I, I I got some room with some other teams for for Greg Ward. And you need you need like thirty minutes to look through the amount of soft tissue injuries Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey have had. Oh, yeah. And in, in in a shortened season, this is what all the the doctors are talking about: is we're more likely to see more of these like strains and pulls and. That's right. Uh, I mean, I that's guess like def- a, I guess like Achilles are a really big problem in these scenarios, and that's that'd be a killer to a guy like Deshaun Watson. I mean, or Deshaun Jackson. This is a. I don't know. So again, but he's a easy UDFA, you know, with a, a long path to, to secure uh, playing time. Long-term, it could be a crowded wide receiver depth chart. There's no long-term commitment if you look at his contract as far as, you know, after the season. Uh, and then his special teams role could be replaced by Rager. Those are the kind of like the downsides, but the upsides are, uh, he, you know, he's going to be in an offense that passes the ball. You have a ton as we right. talked about. Like it's a, uh, I, I don't know. I, I've dropped him and then picked him back up. I can't quit Greg Ward Jr., Ryan. Right. Well, I mean, but here, here's the thing. The, the upside is he is absolutely free. I, I mean, he doesn't cost anything. You know, like, like I said, like, like looking at my leagues, at least 80% of my leagues, he's available, you know? So that, I imagine that's the case with you in your leagues. And, and if he's on a roster, he's probably – you know, a guy that the owner is, is looking at cutting, you know, to, to, to pick up like a, you know, um, uh, you know, upside backup running back or something like that. So, um, and, and I don't I generally like, don't like to carry, you know, guys like Greg Ward, you know, wide receivers, but, but I, I think there is a, a time and a place and it might make sense in some of your leagues. So, um, you know, wh- why not? He, he's a guy that the very least, you know, probably not going to win you a dynasty league, but he, he's a guy that could come in handy, you know, plug him into the flex, especially in a PPR league. I mean, you, you know, if you look at, it's a small sample size, but you look at those, um, you know, you know, towards the end of the year, he was getting, you know, decent amount of targets in, the, in those last four games, you know, like seven, nine, seven. So yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it's good. Well, well, let's transition quickly. This is a two minute warning. Will. let's transition into Debbie. Uh, you had a Debbie take that you wanted to share with us. Well, so it's going to be a long two minutes, Ryan. Uh, <clears throat> so looking into Steven Sims Jr.'s yeah. uh, history with Kansas, because I was you know, looking at that offense and just trying to figure out like what he was in college, you know, why was he a UDFA? But what basically what happened is I stumbled upon an RB that I've heard so, so very, very little about. Uh, this is the one and only, and of course, another junior run, Puka Williams. So in so in his senior so this is Puka Williams Jr. Uh, he is a he was a true sophomore running back for Kansas last year. I'm gonna revert back. He's from Louisiana. In his senior year of high school, he rushed for three thousand one hundred twenty eight yards and forty touchdowns. Holy cow! Uh, he is a four star recruit based on twenty four seven Sports. Uh, he wasn't in the ESPN top three hundred. Uh, some odd uh, LSU or Louisiana like. Uh, you know, sports publication had a bracket challenge for the best LSU high school running back ever that included Leonard Fournette, Travis Etienne, and uh, Marshall Falk was in there too, were in these brackets. And 
the winner of that bracket challenge was Puka Williams Jr. Uh, he had notable offers from LSU, Memphis, and Mississippi State, as well as Kansas. Uh, there was also like Ball State in there or something, but come on, Ball State. Nice try. Uh, he's listed as the number 86th overall prospect in CBS's 2021 NFL Draft Big Board and ninth at the running back position. So we should we should know like we should uh, be paying attention to these things, Ryan, uh, of of maybe these these kind of like under the radar prospects. And you know, these are one of my favorite things to like discover and unearth. And anybody who is a Kansas fan is probably pulling out their hair, being like, "Of course, Puka Williams Jr. is amazing." But so in his, his true freshman year, so coming right out of high school into college on a Kansas City team that is or so not Kansas City, on a Kansas team that's absolutely horrible. He rushed for eleven hundred and twenty-five yards with seven touchdowns while catching thirty-three balls for another two hundred and eighty yards and two touchdowns. That's seven point oh yards per carry, and the team only won three games, which was a massive improvement from the year before. And it, it which I think they went zero, and the year before that they won one. Uh, so so Puka, Puka was carrying the load for this team. And if you watch his, his highlight reel too, uh, it, it's, really, it's, it's, it's really pretty fun. Uh, sophomore year, again, just, just, just not, not a good offense. They were switching quarterbacks. It was a complete mess. He actually rushed for less yards uh, on more carries. So he went for 1,061 with only three touchdowns and 5.2 yards per carry, but he still caught 27 passes. Uh, for 214 yards and two touchdowns. Definitely not as explosive as freshman year. Okay, totally get it. But the Jayhawks are so bad. I mean, Puka was only able to put up 12 rushing yards against TCU in 2019. Uh, but then he also lit up Texas for 190 rushing yards. A side note, I kind of I wish he went to Mississippi State because could you imagine in his true junior year what he'd do with – it's uh, it's Mike Leach, right? The, the crazy dude from Washington State that yeah. went there? Yeah. Right. Crazy like, dude. <laughs> I like uh, that characterization. Yeah, yeah. But, crazy but that, dude. That, that passing game with his passing with his passing game chops and yeah. his uh, skill in space that would have been so much fun. Uh, the the only red flag and it's a big one. It's a big one. Uh, he's listed at five foot ten, but I, I kind of think it might be a little bit shorter. And one hundred and seventy pounds coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah. So, That's but this. Uh, you, when you're on a bad offense and you're putting up these kind of stats, uh, I, and then you're, you're kind of getting some respect in like the NFL draft boards. I don't know who's writing CBS's like draft boards, you know, thing. It was more, that was from an article that they're worried about him leaving after his junior season. And honestly, if he could have, he should have left after his sophomore season. But uh, if he, if he's, if he ends up being like a, a, you know, a really good athlete and is, is good in space, he's one of those guys that uh, is, is going to fit right into the, this, you know, the NFL we're in now. And he's a, uh, he's not a guy that goes down easily, you know, kind of watching, watching him play. I did watch a little bit of film Ryan, on, on Puka. Cause I was just so curious. I was so yeah. curious if he, if he looked this small and, and he kind of does. So let's hope Puka you know, bulks up to that, that 200 pounds range and uh, he's drafted next year. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think maybe his future is probably like a third down specialist. Speaking of which one thing you've neglected to mention if you look at PFF highest graded our running backs by downs in 2019. So who was the, I bet you can guess some of these, the, who was the highest rated running back by down um, first down by PFF in 2019? AJ Dillon. Uh, no, but hold that thought. No, first down number one back played in the big 10 red uniform 
one of your favorite rookie running backs, mm. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Second down, best running back on second down. Here you go. You just called, just named him A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon. Third he, also, down. he also ran it on first down, and the whole defense got tired. <laughs> In the third down, their highest rated running back by third down at 2018 was Puka Williams. So there you go. Um, yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I, I think he's he's definitely sounds interesting. I, I, the, I think the big negative is the size. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, that's a good name. I, I, I mean, I think I had heard of him, like, vaguely, but not done a lot of research, you know, because – but, but yeah, he's, he's not a guy that's going at the top of your Debbie drafts either. So cool. Well, all right. Um, so let's do the real two minute warning. Anything else you want to, any final thoughts, anything else you want to think about? Nah, I think it's pretty okay for this. Uh, Ryan, one thing I, I wanted to note is looking at running back knee injury history and the potential of arthritis in that knee moving into the future. Uh, it moves me higher on Zeke Elliott comparative to, or like, you know, compared to, like Nick Chubb had some injuries. Uh, who else was like like Dalvin Cook had a knee injury when he was in high school, and yeah. another one in the NFL. Uh, these these kind of players that their their window is, is maybe a max of like two years, and I and I think Zeke has maybe like a three or four year window of, of pretty good elite production. And we could look back on this and being like we we were undervalued undervaluing what he can do uh, for the next three or four years. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Zeke seems to be a value, even though he is obviously goes in the first round of of any kind of a startup draft. I still think in the trade market, he he's a value. I mean, he's a guy that you can actually acquire in a trade. Good luck trying to acquire, let's like, say, Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey. Those guys are real hard to get. But Zeke is a little bit easier for whatever reason. Yes, he's a knucklehead. Um, uh, he does some dumb things, but you know, he's 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 been um, seen in trouble for a while, and and, and the guy can produce and could have a monster year in 2020 so with that let's get out of here we are the fantasy joes i am at Roto librarian on twitter will is at fantasy joe underscore will we are at the ff joes on twitter you can become patreon supporters we recorded a patreon show earlier tonight that's patreon.com slash fantasy joes um on behalf of will greenwood i am ryan livergood and we are the fantasy joes